It's Richard Harris and Mr. Scott. I have no faith in humanity. Lease joining us for a surf and sales podcast. Um, brought to you by our good friends and sponsors um, of Gong, who um, our guest is from. Um, Lead 411, find them, Perception Predict, and Vidyard. We appreciate those folks for supporting us and helping, um, happy to help spread the word of, the, of their uniqueness and quality. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Gabrielle Blackwell from Gong, who recently just joined there in October, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So it is, for those listening, it's November 2020. So, um, you know, Gabrielle's had an even more interesting month than most of us, I think, with a new job. Yes, I just joined last month. I'm a full month and a half in now. That is awesome. What is your, are you, what is your role? Uh, so I am one of the sales development managers. So I manage uh, one of the SMB commercial teams for sales development reps. And just for context, of, for people to understand where your, where your thoughts are coming from, how big is your team? What is what does SMB commercial mean? Like how big is the company yeah. you guys are selling to? Like just some context. Yeah, definitely. So um, there are, I want to say there are four segments uh, for outbound efforts for sales development at Gong. There is SMB commercial. So this is really focusing on companies that are under 300 people, just about. After that, we have mid-market, enterprise, strategic. Um, and then for my team, right now I have eight people, uh, eight SDRs on my team, fully outbound. And at the end of the month, I'll, I believe I will have 10 people. So my team is constantly growing. Cool. Go ahead, Scott. What makes, <clears throat> what makes up a good SDR team of eight to 10 people? How would, how do you define a good high-functioning, high-performing SDR team? Yeah. I mean, there's the first part, right? There, I think there's an indication of a high-performing team, which is they're hitting their numbers. Everybody on the team is relatively hitting their numbers. And as a, our team number, right, is either at or above expectations, I think that's an indicator of a high-performing team or a healthy team. One of the things I believe goes into um, – creating or cultivating environment which in which everyone can be successful and therefore the team prospers is setting up an environment where everyone has like, e like is able to share uh equally right so i've managed teams in the past where we had one high performer and typically that high performer was the one who took up the most space in terms of talk time they're the ones who had the most opinions they're the ones who were just the loudest in the room and so at this point in time, it's like, where can other SGRs fit in? Can they actually engage? Are they going to have the morale there? But one of the things I'm noticing and that I'm really trying to cultivate at Gong with my team is everybody's able to share. Everybody has something to offer. Everybody's like unique skills, strengths, and qualities are seen, recognized, and appreciated. So like that to me, I think is probably one key piece of a high, like a high performing SGR team. Go ahead, Richard. What do you do with that one person who's taken up all the space, who's sucking up all the oxygen? Sorry, I didn't, what was the question? What do you do when you have that team, right? And you've got that one person who's sucking up all the oxygen. How do you, how do you like to coach that person to make space for somebody else? Somebody yeah, else I mean, I haven't figured this, I have not figured this one out. I think I've had two teams in the past where, um, you had that one person who really, I think unbeknownst to them, 
they just kind of shut everybody else up and everybody else is like sitting at the table like all right well so-and-so is talking like I guess I'll like you know tune out and check my phone and maybe like swipe on tinder or bumble or something like that so in the in the I think one for the first part is like in my one-on-ones with the other individuals on the team like really getting a sense of like how they're feeling like what's going on with them like what are the things that they can share first and foremost and then essentially just kind of like aggregating that information um potentially bringing that to like that that top performing person and just letting them, them know like hey listen you know your numbers show that you're you're you know you're knocking it out of the park right now there's no doubt about that and also like how do you see your role within a team setting like how you know how do you wish to engage in a team setting and not only focusing on those number one you know being the number one rep and also being kind of the loudest rep as well and then also like here's some information, right, that I'm getting from the team as to like what they would like to see and how they would like to engage and how, like, how do you see yourself being a steward, right, of really creating a space in which people can realize that vision for how they wish to engage in the, in the team. So like that to me would be like one, one method. Um, I have not tried it out, right, but like, you know, doing the research and things like that, like that's one thing that I would like to explore. Should I have that like one really big personality person on my team again? Is that, do you think this is an easier problem to solve remotely or a harder problem to solve remotely? Ooh, good question. So, I mean, in the past teams that I've had, I've, I feel like I've always had like one kind of like Kobe Bryant of the team and we were always in a uh, in-person environment. Um, so it's only been one time where it's like, all right, you have that one person on the team in an in-person environment, we moved to remote. And one of the things that, how to put this. I think one of the things that we worked on in our one-on-ones is much more around like um, awareness and like emotional maturity and recognizing like, how can we be perceived? How can we, like, how does our presence and how we express ourselves um, impact others? And then, and then I think also like in a, in a remote setting, I can kind of like, you know, ask people, ask other folks um, on a Zoom, like, hey, you know, if I see Ben, for example, is kind of tuning out, is looking off to the side, I might, kind of like prompt him to, to answer a question while also being sure that that number one kind of like larger personality person um, can kind of dial it back a little bit. So the focus isn't always on them specifically. Got it. I find, I'm fine. I find it a little easier to just hit the mute button and mute Richard every time he's talking too much. So I was just wondering if that same strategy could be effective in your world. So funny because my response to that was going to be, see, Scott, this is what I'm going to do to you now. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I've had the opportunity. how much love we have for each other. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I've had the opportunity with my team specifically, but there's other organizations that I'm a part of, like um, Rev Genius, Revenue Collective. Revenue Collective, I'm uh, moderating a couple channels on there. And so with that, I'll facilitate conversations in larger group settings. There's typically going to be, you know, if we have a group of, let's say, 20, 30 people, there's going to be those two people, two or three people who are going to take up the most space. Um, so I kind of fell victim to letting people like almost step into the facilitator role when it was my job to. And then moving away from that, I'm like, hey, like we've heard so like we've, we've heard your voices quite a bit already. Like, thank you so much. And also, like there is a plethora of like of expertise and knowledge from everybody else here that we can benefit from. So I think it's in, in the best interest of everyone here that we start to hear from other folks, right? And then you go into like, all right, now, hey, Scott, you know, I, I noticed that you've been a little quiet today, right? Like, what do you think about everything that's been said? Do you do that publicly or do you do that privately in a separate message? 
I would do it publicly, right? I think it's it's all in the delivery. I'm not gonna be like, hey, Richard, you know, shut your mouth. Um, like, and like, let's hear from Scott. But it would be like, hey, like, thank you so much. Like, you Scott. are, you know, you are super engaged and I love it a hundred percent. And also like, let's see who else, right? Has, has some ideas here just to make sure that we're capturing as many perspectives as possible. What is the, what is the net benefit to you in moderating channels in these micro communities. I understand very clearly <clears throat> the benefit and value for people to be in micro communities and participate in these channels. Um, and as somebody who is arguably facilitating in, in what I do with Thursday night sales, I'm curious what your net benefit is to moderate you know, these Slack channels. Yeah, so... I, so there's, okay, so again, I mentioned there's two channels that I'm moderating. The first one is sales management and it's got like 800 some people. And it's, I'll be honest, it's very like overwhelming because sales management is so generic and there could be so many flavors and so many interpretations of it. And so it's, it really is just a matter of, I think the benefit is, all right, hey, what, like, what is my lens? Like, what's the lens that I'm approaching sales management with? here like and why and I, I feel like I get to have a point of view right or assert a point of view um that people can then tune into and provide feedback on so like I as a man or as I as a man or moderator can say all right here are the main five like the main five things that I think any sales manager is actually going to care about and like here are the people who I think have something really unique and very valuable to bring to the market like, so let me be the connector between the two. So I think the benefit is I have this idea of like, what's valuable. I know somebody who's providing a valuable insight here. And like, let's bring this to folks and see like, all right, am I, am I on the right path, right? Like are people seeing things the same way that I'm seeing, or is there an opportunity to enlighten someone? So it's a little bit of like, I guess, pressure testing. <laughs> what like the way that I view the world is, is one way. Um, I, the other channel that I'm moderating is outbound It's a much smaller channel. It's only about like 80, 90 people max. And, and for this, I mean, being in the world of sales development, especially the focus primarily for me for the past five years has been on outbound. Um, again, I feel like I'm like, there are certain points of view, certain tactics and processes that I think are incredibly important. So like, let me just bring folks in and let's have a conversation again, pressure tested again. But I, in this channel, I like, I know more people who are doing like SDR specific things and I do like just general sales management. So uh, it also gives me an opportunity to be like, oh, so-and-so is a thought leader. Like, hey, Morgan Ingram, like, would you be open to doing like an ask me anything and we can co-host this thing together. So there's like the fun of, I get to have the conversations that I want to have with the people that I want to have those conversations with. What do you think, Digging into the micro communities, right? Aside from COVID, right? Like this stuff could have existed before, right? What do you think really propelled it other than the COVID piece? Like, was it, what made you want to join micro communities? Maybe I'll just to say, say that. Yeah, and, it's a, and more importantly, how many are you a part of? Because if you're not careful, you could join too many. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so to answer the first question, I think, one of the products uh, of, of COVID is like, right, hey, we're at home. And I realize I'm like, okay, I'm at home. I'm not at the office. I'm not with my coworkers. I have a lot of time where it's just me and my thoughts. And, uh, and, and I, 
in, in that time, I just reflected on like, where is my career right now? Like, where do I actually want to be? And I'm, am, and am I in a place in which I can actually accomplish the goals that I set out for myself for my career? And, and as I was just like at home by myself, like thinking about these things, I'm like, I'm not really putting myself in a position to do what I want to do and to be where I want to be. Um, and I thought about, okay, well, what's missing? And the first thing that I thought about was just like a network, right? I was like, the, the network that I have or that I had built up until, let's say, the beginning of this year, it's like, hey, it's, it's a good one. It's coworkers. And yet, if I'm being honest, like, are they in the companies that I aspire to be in? It's like, no. So like, I need to put myself in a position where I can start to have access to people who are already doing what I would like to do. Um, and then I also wanted to, I also recognized like, all right, in order for me to make the next step in my career, I really do need to equip myself with the, or expose myself to the kinds of learning opportunities and development opportunities that my company might not be able to provide to me. My, my, my former employer might not be able to provide to me. So like that to me was the motivating force of joining Revenue Collective specifically. Um, it's like, I, like, I wanted to network and I also wanted to get better at my job too. And so that's really what Revenue Collective, I feel uh, has had provided to me. Um, there are other, there's other communities that I've been a part of. Uh, Rev Genius, I have, I'll be honest, I have not, I have not engaged all that much in terms of skill development, but I will say, I feel like I've met some really amazing people um, and I've actually been able to build relationships with them. So like that hits on the networking piece. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I can hardly handle two. I know I'm a part of a few others, like in terms of I, I tune into Slack, I might have a specific question. Um, so for example, uh, the sales brother and sisterhood. So it's like, I think it's Morgan Ingram and maybe Kevin Dorsey or uh, uh, Nikki Ivy started this and it's um, just all sales black professionals. And so there's certain situations that I've been in where I'm like, let me just tune into this channel and see if, and like, let me get like a, a barometer here, right? So like, that's really the purpose of like that channel and, and being in that micro community specifically. But a hundred percent agree with you where like I can have eight different micro community channels like in Slack and maybe I only tune into two. How many do you think you can get, or, or maybe the better question is, hey, I'm going to focus on this one channel for my most level of engagement in terms of your effort and time, but you're going to join some other ones so that when you can go get a little something else or you're craving something else, you can. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, definitely. I, I was just having a conversation with someone in Revenue Collective. It's um, uh, a black sales professional based out of London. He's in Rev uh, Revco. And he was like, Hey, I, I saw that you're in the sales brother and sisterhood. Like, what do you see as the two main differences? And like, for me, I feel like revenue collective, I was like, I'm focusing on skills. And um, so skills could be something along, it, it has to do a lot more with people management, business management, um, and kind of cross-functional alignment. So I'm like, I'm going to go there and have a conversation about like functional expertise and that's the way that I approach it. And then for black sales uh, or for sales brother and sisterhood, I kind of like, I, I feel like if I'm asking for advice, I, I appreciate the kind of cultural uh, aspects of that channel specifically. So for example, um, if I was the last company that I was working at, I was one of the only black people that were there. I think I was like one of two black leaders in the company. Um, and, uh, and so I, and I think it was, I think, you know, 2019, right. Like that was the first time they had like black people in the company. 
So uh, a lot of times when I asked my boss, who is a 50 something year old white dude, who like, you know, who's a conservative Republican about like how I can approach something, it was completely off, right? Cause I'm a 30 year old black woman uh, from the suburbs of Chicago. So like to be able to go into a place that's, I would say has a cultural competence that aligns to the way that I see the world and say, hey, there's this thing that happened with my coworker. I'm not really sure how to like approach this without coming off as maybe abrasive. Who else here has, you know, who, who else here has um, maybe experienced something like this? And like, what did you do that worked? And what did you do that didn't work? So like, and I felt a lot safer asking those questions in that community specifically, because I felt like, right, these are people who are gonna resonate with the experience that I'll have, being one of the, one of the, you know, one of the only or one of the few. Yeah, it sounds like, and, I, and I've had this conversation with a few people, is that people are finding that there's one community where they're doing their learning and their tactical and their day-to-day business stuff. And then there's another one they're a part of that's experiential, right? What is my experience? Yeah. Right? And yeah. I, think, I think Scott, as usual, I think Scott's Thursday Night Sales absolutely walks the line between those two because I've been on a couple of them and, um, and, and I've seen it, you know, well, how do you handle this sales problem? And then I'm like, how do you see this life problem? So I think that it's, it's important. How much time, just out of curiosity, how many hours a week do you think you spend in your social channels, in your, in your micro communities? I mean, in Gong, not, like, now that I'm at Gong, not that much. Uh, in my pra- like past company, so if I joined Revenue Collective in May, right, uh, I probably spent 50, 50% of my time at like doing the work like that I was actually paid to do and 50% of the time in these channels because I got a lot more learning and development from those channels than I did from my employer. And so I was like, hey, I'm being asked to do something in work that I don't know how to do. And I don't have access to the resources within that, within that company. I'm going to go to Revenue Collective. And I was able to like, you know, get my anointing, come back and be able to do my job proficiently. Um, now at Gong, it's a, which is a very well-resourced company that has a lot of enablement, a lot of opportunities to develop and learn and like a very much like a coaching first culture. Um, I, I feel like I don't have quite the need as much as I did at the beginning of the year um, to be in those communities as much as I was. Scott's messaging me like six times telling me I'm sucking up all the air in this I was going to say, I was going to say, Scott yeah. is quiet. Like, did I predict this? I'm a quiet person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up now for Scott. <laughs> Scott, you can ask one question. I get to ask one question. Awesome. I want to know about the, uh, the SDR hotline yes which you haven't meant you haven't mentioned yet i would love to hear you kind of break down what the work is you all are doing there and and where where you're taking it thank you for asking that um i, I feel like i'm not very i i feel like i'm not that great at like hey here are all the things that i'm doing um and let me talk about it so brooklyn nash from Sales Hacker. Uh, he and I had a chance to connect earlier this year, actually probably got connected either through Rev Genius or Revenue Collective. Um, and I, I think just had a really great conversation. And when he had the opportunity to talk about this new idea that he had, which was, let's create a hotline where people can, specifically SDRs can ask questions such as, you know, like, what can I do, you know, what, how can I almost like manage or cope with a difficult boss, right? How can I ask for more money? Like those kind of questions. 
Um, so for the first two episodes, like that was really the focus. People are going to submit questions anonymously and then I'll go up there on my soapbox by myself and like answer these questions. Um, after the second episode of, of doing that, of like not really having any, I felt like real engagement um, and also reflecting on like, you know what, these are to me surface level questions and there's got to be a, a much deeper conversation that we can have that can be a lot more meaningful. Because the vision that I was kind of in service to and initially brainstorming with Brooklyn as to what this SDR hotline can be is there has to be a source where SDRs can feel empowered and advocated for and that they can also, you know, um, uh, come away encouraged and feeling as though they can advocate for themselves safely and they have a model of how to do that. So I, uh, so after the second episode, I think I connected with Ashley Zacks from, from Chili Piper. And she just talked about her experience of like being a, a queer Latina in, in sales. And it was just a, a point of view that I had not yet been exposed to like directly one-on-one. -on -one. It was always very theoretical. And I thought to myself, I'm like, all right, here's an SDR who's talking about her experience and it's some real shit. So like, this is the stuff that I'm like, I'm like, I, I felt enlightened after like after coming away from that conversation I'm like this is like these are the conversations that I really want to have is like how are people given you know who they are however they are where they're from you know all of that like how you know how they're approaching or what's informing who they are today I'm like those are the stories that I would love to amplify because as an SDR manager myself like one of the biggest things that I hear from folks is like, all right, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough experience. Like, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm like, this could, you know, there's so many people who are experiencing these things. Like, let's bring folks to the table who are finding a way to overcome that and essentially provide a, a different model for how to approach the SDR role yep. and recognizing like we as a whole person can show up as a whole person and be successful, right? It, like, here are the ways that we can do that. It sounds like you're almost saying that you enjoy the, the stories and and the people more than any kind of tactical takeaway. Well, there's so many people doing tactical takeaways. Yes, yes. There's so many. I'm like, like I was talking I'm about. Pointing that, I'm pointing this out because, um, you know, other than being like old as hell and not wanting to deal with this anymore, like I don't want, I don't want to hear your sales tactical takeaway anymore. <laughs> like I, I, I'm like not that interested in it. I'm very interested in human stories of success and survival and pain and as it pertains to business and yeah. selling and management and that yeah. kind of thing. I, I have my I had my last episode of uh, of SDR Hotline last week. And um and in prior to like going live with Ashley, I was talking to Brooklyn and Brooklyn's like, hey, I, I recognize you want to tell a story and also like, is there a way, you know, he just, he's like, here's a question. Like, is there a way to also introduce some tactics? And as I was talking to Ashley live, like we were talking about how to advocate for yourself given, you know, however, and whoever you are. So it's like, Hey, listen, if you're not able to advocate for yourself, there's an, there's always going to be the risk that you're not getting what you need to be successful. Right. So if you're not being successful in the SDR role and you're not advocating for yourself, right. Like what, like, what if you had just told your boss, hey, I learned differently. Here's what has worked for me in the past. Do you think, you know, you and I can partner together on a way to help me out given the way that I am? So like, if you're not doing this and you're not being successful and you're chalking it up to, hey, there's something wrong with me. It's like, no, like what if it was just a matter of you didn't speak up for yourself and maybe you just didn't know that you could. So um, 
like at that point in time, like as Ashley and I were having this conversation, I was like, shit, like what self I'm like advocacy is a skill that can help 100%. you be that much better in your role. Like this is a hundred percent a tactic. I learned, I learned how to be my own advocate when I was in the hospital because uh, when yes. I'm in the hospital and struggling and suffering, you start to realize that unless you kind of make a pest of yourself, you don't get checked on as often by the nurses or the doctors. The, the medicine comes late. That thing you asked for, they forgot about because they're you know moving around trying to help hundreds of other different patients and whatnot. And initially when I'm in there, I remember thinking, I don't want to bother, you know, Gabrielle again. I already asked her for this thing. Like, you know, she'll get it to me when she gets to me. But then you start to realize like, no, I'm fucking suffering here in the meantime. And ain't nobody here to help me out. I'm here all by myself. And my job is not to worry about all these other people's feelings. My job is to survive. Yeah. And my job is to try to, you know, survive and get healthy and thrive as, as fast as possible. So you just learn how to be your own advocate and going through that at a relatively early age. By the time I got into the workforce, like that's just who I am now. Yeah. I mean, you, you know? brought something up super, like cause I, I learned how to advocate for myself in the hospital too. Uh, I was, um, I had had a pretty severe like nervous breakdown after like having worked in a very hostile work environment. And uh, and the, when I got to the hospital, um, the doctors didn't have that context that I was like in this incredibly, um, uh, uh, this incredibly stressful environment. And they were just like, oh, Hey, like here's this person who just has a bipolar disorder. And so I remember like, uh, being in the hospital, my mom came to visit me. My mom had struggled with, um, with her own mental health issues. So I had some awareness of like how to navigate these conversations and what to look for. Um, and I remember my mom was talking to me, just like kind of thinking out loud. And she's like, you she's like, you have to think about, like, you have to think about your health. You have to think about your diet. You have to think about how much you're sleeping. You have to think about the environment in which you're in. Like nothing's going to be solved with a pill alone. And I had seen that firsthand, seeing my mom struggle, like growing up and someone just handing her a pill and that pill actually made things worse. <laughs> and like, here I was 14 years old trying to figure things out for my mom. So when I was in the hospital, uh, I remember having this, uh, I remember talking to the doctor who's on staff and the doctor was like, all right, we're going to prescribe you lithium and lithium is going to like magically cure all your problems. And I was like, okay, doc, I hear you, but what else do I need to do here? And that's like the first time that I really spoke up for myself, like having been in that situation. And I'm like, I'm like, I grew up watching my mom struggle and she had lithium. So you can't tell me that this is the end all be all here. So like, unless you can help me understand what I need to eat how often I need to work out, what workouts I actually need to do, how much I need to sleep, which work environments I can and cannot be in. Like, I hear you think this pill is going to be great, but I don't, like, this is not going to be the end all be all for me. So at that point in time, like, I remember looking over and there's a couple of residents there and the one girl was like clapping. She's like, look at you advocating for yourself. I'm like, wow, that felt good. Cause at that point in time, and, and things shifted. It's like, I think the doctor recognized, I'm like, all right, Hey, like, maybe maybe we don't know everything like here with this person um and I mean, that, so, that was shortly it, after it's so transferable though because you go to a new role a lot of times people just accept the training or the content that they're being given or is being shared with them and if you need more or need something different and don't speak up you're going to get left behind yes 
I and, think, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, and even, even when you're tenured, if you will, in a role, right? Like, let's say you're, uh, look, I was a senior vice president of sales, and I remember arguing for weeks on end, advocating for myself, that I needed this particular tool or this particular staff underneath me to help me with this thing. So it, it, it's very transferable. And I hope that people, I hope one of the main takeaways of this episode, honestly, is that you have to be your own self-advocate because um, help, help is not coming. And I know Richard made fun of me at the beginning of the episode saying I have no faith in humanity, but like I have more faith in me than I do in everyone else. No, Scott, that's real. I mean, look, you know, every, you know, first of all, that's the title of the episode. The greatest skill you can have is how to be your own self-advocate. So I, I picked that up on this, but, yes. you know, my mom always said to me, and, and I misinterpreted it at the young age, but she's all, she always said, look, you know, I mean, you know, nobody's going to look out for you better than you, right? And she meant it from a work perspective and probably took it into personal life, which caused whole other issues. Um and, and that it's okay to be a little bit selfish sometimes. Like there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're not hurting somebody else, right? I, yeah. So those, those are two pieces of advice that, you know, I probably should have listened to my mother, but of course I'm Gen X, so God forbid I do that. Um, if it had come from I, Scott's mom, I probably would have listened. Oh my gosh. I, I, even if I think about, even if I think about like the reps that I've managed who perform the best, these are like, I have, um, I'm gonna give a shout out to my girl, Lana O'Leary. She's amazing. I love her. Um, she hits me up all the time, all the time. And she's like, am I, she's like, I don't, I don't want to bug you. I'm like, you're not, you're really not because like number, like I, for me, if you're coming, if you're running into challenges, I would rather know that because if there's a way to like resolve them, get them out of the way and yeah. open up the door to more opportunities, that's a win for everybody everybody it's interesting so like, like it's even interesting. advocating for yourself like you're going to help your manager or help like your boss assuming they're receptive to it like you're going to help them out as well it's interesting the phrasing because i used to say to my team your job is to bug the shit out of me i i tell that to my clients now even richard i'm like you're going to get out of me whatever you ask of me if you don't pester me then i'm going to assume that everything's fine or I'm going to assume that you don't care. If you pester me and advocate for yourself and bug me and ask for this, that, and the other, I'm going to assume that you need the help. And I'm going to be proud of you and stoked that you're asking for the help and you're going in and going to get it, you know? So. Gabrielle, how long ago was that, was that incident in your life where you had to self-advocate? Almost three years ago. So yeah, yeah uh, January 26 is my anniversary. <laughs> so, so, and the reason I ask is, do you remember what it was like for you, experiential, before you got to that in life? Like, so that if people may be feeling like, not, not to say people are having breakdowns, like that's not where I yeah. want to go. Yeah. Where I want to go is like, hey, I, if, I, if I knew then what I know now, mm -hmm. right? Like, what were you experiencing before you finally sort of, you know, took that leap? Yeah. So I'm, I'll talk about the feelings that I had, the like, yeah. way I was expressed, like just the expressions. Um, for me, I, I mean, I was that person who like, you know, woke up in the morning and as I was getting ready, I was bawling my eyes out. Like, 
like bawling my eyes out while I was getting ready. And then I'd somehow managed to get it all together before I walked to work. Um, I, you know, I lost my appetite. I was breaking out everywhere, like all on my back. There was like all these like physical like manifestations of like, you're not in a healthy place right now. Um, so, you know, whether it was like not being able to sleep, whether it was self-medicating, if it was, um, just like being hysterical all the time. I remember having a panic attack at home, um, and having to call my mom. And I was, I mean, I, I had to get into like child's pose <laughs> to finally calm myself down. Like my stomach was always in knots there. Like those were all so, the things that were happening. So those were, for, were you seeing those for months on end or was that sort of like, yeah, okay, that's when I knew this was, I needed to do something. I think the first time that I like had this, like where, you know, like, I will say I'm a very sensitive person, but I'm not usually one to express that just like out and about. And normally I feel somewhat, I shouldn't say in control, but like in a flow and in rhythm. And so there was these times where like something would happen and I would start talking about it. And it's like, I just completely unraveled. So maybe the first time that would, that happened was like, uh, I, I'm gonna be giving away my company, but it was like in April of a specific year, right? And I had my episode in January. So like this, like it had been happening for a while and I was, and I was in this company. I had only been there for maybe five, six months. Um, I already had a track record of only being at a company for at most a year, not my fault though. <laughs> um, and so like the, the advice that I got was like, Hey, try and stick it out for a year. And I had a breakdown, had a breakdown like a month after my one year mark. But go back even further than that. Right. So somewhere you still were growing up you know, two years ago or you know, four years ago, five years ago, is there a difference in the way you were conducting yourself then versus now? Uh, yeah. Like I what mean, are those things that you've recognized have been like, oh, now that I know this, you know, back then, if I'd have known this, that I would have known to do something then. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I was not better five years ago. <laughs> Like that's probably, I mean, I think it was, you know, it was just like a downhill spiral because right. I didn't have the coping mechanisms. I didn't have self-awareness. I think that's the biggest thing. I had a habit of ignoring myself and neglecting myself and dismissing the feelings that I had. Ignoring? Like what kind of things um, were you so doing? So I've gotten a lot more into just like being aware of like what's going on in my body and like listening to the language of my body right so I'll, I'll give you an analogy so if you have I have plants all over the place if my plant if I have a plant and a baby leaf shows up grows out and the the leaf is yellow even though it's a vibrant green plant this typically means to me I was like all right hey like this is a pot bound or a root bound plant I either need to like you know massage out the roots or I need to find a new pot and that's how the plant is going to talk to me to let me know if there's something that's wrong here with their environment. So with like, for me, uh, specifically, it might be a matter of like racing thoughts or like constant worry, um, or, you know, kind of just talking about things on end and not being able to stop. That's, that's like one, one expression of that. I think the, like, you know, the knots in my stomach is another one, like another expression of that, or like feeling as though I can't actually take a deep inhale in and exhale fully. Um, I mean, and there's also like the more obvious ones of, you know, like you know, I was, I was the person who cried at work. I'd go, <laughs> go into like a closet, like into like a back room or something and just be crying. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know why or what's, what's happening here. Um, 
and yeah, so I mean, I think those were probably like the main ones, right? Where I think, you know, walking, you know, how I was in the morning, uh, what I was feeling was incredibly sad and just like down and out and then coming into work and feeling as though I had to put on a mask, right? So like, I think even just that duality, like having to be split into different, like into two different people, that's probably the first indication that like, hey, this is not gonna be sustainable. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was, I was, I was curious if that's, those are the things I was looking for. Cause if, if someone else is going through that, I want them to understand that, Hey, you're normal. Everybody has this. Mm. And there is this, you know, beautiful piece on the other side, if you can start to self-advocate. And I think you're a great example of that. So thank yeah. you for being vulnerable on that and, and sharing. I think it's super important. Yeah. Get a therapist, a good one. I don't know. Somebody who could just check. Because honestly, like the, the 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 structures that we grew up with might be the same structures that like tear us down as adults. So like without that awareness and like the understanding that we're gonna have to rebuild ourselves over and over again, we're gonna play out these tired stories over and over and over again and lose out way more than we actually should. Totally agree. Totally agree. Scott, I thought we were gonna say something. No, no, I was waiting. <laughs> Sitting here patiently, Richard, you know. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> One last question before we, uh, before we wrap up, Gabrielle. How the heck does a woman with uh, some sort of French language certification and a public policy degree end up in the SDR world? Oh, that's a funny, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'll say because the big companies didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs> big company didn't want you to do what, to uh, so, do what? Okay, there's a whole story there's a whole story. well one I, I went to university of chicago i got a public policy degree um because i i think i was just like i, I wanted actually i wanted to i wanted to study psychology i thought i was going to be a therapist and uh right before i had started my uncle's like psychologists don't make any money like don't do that and so i me and my 17 year old self was like oh, i guess i gotta suit my family's wishes so i became a public policy major I, I thought it was incredible. because because wait public policy people make more money than psychologists no they don't oh, if, if, you're, if you're not if you're not watching this episode gabrielle just shook her head back and forth violently in disgust oh, like, yeah, that's part of <laughs> i'm just trying to follow the logic and clearly oh, there was no logic obviously it was not lo it was not logical yeah okay. but um uh, but no, I, 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 I did this major that I really didn't want to do. Uh, it's probably the best. I just like, I didn't stand up for myself as the biggest thing there. Um, I was burnt out by the time I graduated. I moved to France, uh, would live there for two years, learn the language, everything. And by the time I come back, I was like, you know what? Like, you know, the people that I went to school with, we were in the same, we did the same, uh, the same path in academia world. And they're doing consulting and stuff like that for these big four consulting firms so I thought I was going to go down that path when I came back and they were like so you've been graduated for too long to be eligible for the programs for recent grads and you don't have any experience so you don't qualify for an experience hire so I um I, I just like I, I didn't get any headway like yeah. anywhere that I wanted to go to so I took that whole mathematical equation is basically how most people end up in sales yes. <laughs> all, yes. all of the stuff that we thought we were doing that made sense or somebody else wanted to, us yeah. to do just didn't really work out the right way so yeah. thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, then I think, but there was there was the stepping back away from, like, I think it's like that moment of reflection. Like, all right, hey, like, where do I actually want to go? Like, I think if we just focus on a job as like, like, I just need to get a paycheck, you're likely just going to like hop from one company to the next and like not really know like why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and so at least that, that's the case for me. And so I, I just took a step back and I'm like, okay, let me just think about the long term. What do I actually want to do? Where do I want to be? Like, what, like, what's the vision, right, that I'm going to be in service to now? And I just like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a CEO, right? Like my grandfather was the CEO of his company. Like I, I come from a line of entrepreneurs. So I'm like, yeah, CEO seems great. Like, yes, let's do that. And I just researched like where are CEOs starting their careers often? And like the two places that I kind of like whittled it down to were sales and finance. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit in front of a spreadsheet all day, even though I do now as a manager um, <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> right? Like it's the joke's on you. Right? Like, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one big old cosmic joke that the, that the gods have put me through. And um, yeah, and so I was like, but I can't talk to people. Like, I was like, so that, I, I remember, I, I remember looking at, I can recall it, staring at the screen, like looking at the job description. It's like cold call, cold email. And I was like, where has my life brought me to? <laughs> But then, yeah, if I, if I applied on a Wednesday, I started the job the following Wednesday and like the rest is history. That's awesome. How can we... Uh, Scott, that's Scott's way of telling you that you fulfilled his, his belief system that everyone's a sales degenerate. That's right. right. That's it. Every, I, that's, why, that's why we're here. No, first of all, we start off <laughs> as degenerates and then we graduate to sales degenerate. I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like the people who are like probably the most composed Building least, this right like, now. Even for the least degenerates, I'm like, are you going to make it in sales? <laughs> yes. Scott, I'm designing your new t-shirt right there, buddy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I would like one, please. <laughs> so if, if we don't tell anybody what it is, everybody needs to go watch the YouTube episode to see what it is. Let's do so, it. Uh, well, anyway. we gotta, we've got to wrap. Uh, we want to say thanks once again to uh, gong.io, Vidyard, Perception Predict, Find them and lead 411, who are our sponsors here for the month of November. Did I get everybody, Richard? Yeah, you got them right. Okay. Well done. How can we help and support you, Gabrielle? Is there anything we can answer for you? Anything we can do for you? Um, I think one of the things that's happening right now is like, well, besides COVID, being at home, elections, societal, like, you know, just uprest. What are the ways? in which you're taking care of yourself right now? That's the question. You want to go first, Richard, or do you want me to go first? No, I can go first. That's, that's pretty easy. Um, so I'm a big advocate of meditation, a big advocate of therapy. Um, I'm a big advocate of, of Western medication, if that's up your alley for, for mental health. Um, my problems are like yours, Gabrielle. They, they run much deeper than just sort of the current stress level. Um, I get up and walk every day. I actually get up and walk uh, every day. And I either do it as either you know a full 25 or 30 minute walk. Sometimes it's just what I call the six minute walk. I walk out the door, go in a direction for three minutes and come back in three minutes. Um, and it's just to get my body moving a little bit. Like it's, there's no other goal than to just make me stop what I'm doing. Um, I've been, I learned this one from Galen. Um, 
around doing the walk and talk, like stop making everything a Zoom meeting. If I don't have to take notes, I'm not going to be on Zoom. I'm just going to dial in. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big advocate of that. I've actually gotten a personal trainer and I'm eating better, um, spending time with the kids. You know, I think we've, you know, we, we've done all those, you know, those are the things that I do specifically. I actually have built out the last thing I build up time. So literally every Wednesday from two 30 to five 30 Tuesday or Wednesdays and Fridays, my calendar's blocked to go play golf. Um, I don't go play. I probably go every other week at least once, but that's a whole lot more than I used to. But even then I have that time booked out to, I can set another meeting if I want to, and I'm in control of my calendar, or I can spend time with doing something else around the house that needs to get done. So I've sort of built in some of that, that downtime. So those are my answers. Thank you. Yeah. I don't even know what I would add to that other than naps. Yeah. This is one of the benefits I think of working from home and working for myself in the last uh, 13 months or so. Um, like you, I know how to pay attention to my body. Um, and I've, I've had a long relationship with physical health problems, not mental health problems, but physical health problems. Um, so when my body is, is done, then I'm done for the day or for the night or whatever. Um, so I often have found myself with an hour here or two hours there and I just go back to bed, to be honest with you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm siesta, I'm, I'm on the siesta train right now. Yeah, well, this was, I would uh, jump in. Okay. I'm going to jump in and say this about Scott, though. He didn't used to do that. Even no. if his body said no, he wouldn't. So I will come back and say, Scott, yeah. I think you've mentally adjusted that, hey, wait a minute. I do need to listen to my body because when I don't, not only do you physically ail, but even then your mental game gets, you know, dull. I yeah. know you. Well, and this, so is I think one of, this is one of the things I'm trying to say is, is working in my advantage in particular given the circumstances that we that we're in where you know it's a little spooky and scary for somebody like me to go out in public and you know be around lots of people and god knows how many people you want to be around anyways right now with everything that's been going on in, in the world so like as, as a almost year-long time to be at home learning how to pay attention to my body and, and resting more even if it's the middle of the day um that is helping me cope if you will i love yeah. it yes thank you yeah so I'm, I'm asking my reps i'm like how are you taking care of yourself right now <laughs> so like, your, rep, uh, your reps uh, are gonna be like well i heard scott say nap on the uh, hey, honestly one of my reps like i was like hey are you coming to this meeting and she's like sorry i was taking a nap <laughs> and I, was like, I don't know how to feel about this but you're hitting your number so you're good <laughs> that's the correct answer the correct answer is Hey, good job. You got to do what helps you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll throw this out there that I hear from constant friends. I don't really go to Scott's Thursday night sales thing that often, but I hear from people constantly that it is one of their greatest things they do for themselves, not even career-wise, just emotionally. And I think to your point, Gabrielle, finding that community, finding that place to share, finding that place, that's a big, important piece right now. And um and Scott's is different than other places. And I don't know if people I didn't I just a big so fan so of what Scott you're does. saying is Amy and I are like two hundred people's therapist every week is what you're doing. Like the sales world yeah, right but now. It, 
but you know, but then they also like we'll they also for Halloween. And you know, if people want to booze it up during that therapy session, they can booze it up, right? Like they don't care. Like it's yeah. it's that chill. So well, awesome. thanks for that. And thank you, Gabrielle, for spending some uh some time with us and uh stay in touch. I really enjoyed the conversation. I really did too. Thank you both for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Bye.